a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. As we do every Friday night here on Passion, your show about love, sex, and relationships. Uh, talk about some of the latest uh, news story. I want to follow up on this trans woman who sued uh, a bunch of estheticians because they wouldn't wax her parts, but she had male parts. And I'll tell you what the judge said about that. Research about on-again, off-again relationships. Uh, research on why women fake orgasms. So just sharing a few things um, with you that have uh, that have come up i will also talk to uh, ali broomer at 10 15 about the rocky horror show which is playing this is always my favorite time of year for that reason every time i think of halloween i think of the rocky horror show and it brings me back to my youth going to midnight showings and throwing rice and toast in the audience it was always some a, a huge event, so uh, it's happening uh, at the Mainline Theater uh, in the, this week and next. So we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, plus, we'll play Dirty Minds after ten thirty, and your chance to win a one month unlimited pass to Three Sixty Punch. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at five one four eight hundred. So last night's discussion on uh, the people who are attracted to narcissists really uh, prompted uh, quite a few text messages even long after the show was done. And I, I did promise that I would share with you something that a listener shared with me, which is an article uh, with the headline, Lies That Narcissists Use to Make You Stick Around, and, and telling me at the same time that her partner, ex-partner, uh, would use almost all of these, uh, these lines as a form of manipulation. And then a couple more questions um, about that. So let me start with that. The lies narcissists use to make you stick around. Uh, I didn't do that. You're crazy. So in other words, if narcissists are caught doing something uh, bad, uh, they will never uh, admit it, actually. They won't admit to what they, they do. And, and um, you know, of course, if they admitted it, then they might risk uh, losing you. So instead, they gaslight, which means gaslighting is meant to make you feel crazy or question yourself or not sure did I hear that right maybe he or she didn't mean that that way so it, it becomes on it, it it's on you and so imagine years and years of being told that you're the crazy one you start to doubt yourself uh, another lie you're just like all the other horrible people I've been with of course this is uh, a guilt trip to make you feel like you're wrong for wanting to uh, to leave them so uh, the idea here is that you'll want to prove them wrong by staying or doing better than all the others who did, who are the horrible people in their lives. Uh, another, uh, an, another hook, I can't imagine my life without you. Problem is, um, it's, it's fine when it's said by a non-narcissist, uh, but when it's said by a narcissist, it's a tool, it's, it's re basically a tool, uh, to use, um, to keep you there. Uh, another one, everyone warned me about you, but I didn't, uh, believe them. So they want to appear. Why do they say this is they want to appear like other people don't like you. They make you believe that you, the people around you are actually plotting against you or are, or are against you and that they're the only ones that you can, uh, that you can trust. 
So again, remember, over time, hearing these lies over and over again, you can only imagine how you can doubt once you can doubt yourself. Uh, I don't get why you're the only person who doesn't understand me. Another form of gaslighting. Or here, this one I know a lot of people have heard. You're so sensitive. Stop being so sensitive, right? Um, again, a form of, of gaslighting, meaning making you feel like there's something wrong with you. You're probably acting like a very normal uh, person, but then you start doubting yourself. Maybe I am too sensitive, and so you stay. Uh, then, of course, there's all kinds of other lies for no uh, no good reason. Often narcissists are uh, pathological liars, so you don't know what's real, what's not anymore. Uh, another lie, no, I'm better than them. This is um, making uh, their people, the people around them, think that they are the better option. Uh, another hook uh, to get people to stay. Um, no, honey, I promise that's the last time. So when they really mess up, they keep promising never again and never again and never again. Uh, but they're all lies because it does happen over and over again. And I've seen this so many times with people who, uh, they get hooked into that because the person says, I promise I'll never do this again. It's horrible of me. I know I'm a horrible person. And so you think they finally got it. Oh, you got it? They like, maybe this time they got it. But the reality is it keeps going on again. Um... Uh, again, not my fault. That's on you. So again, everything becomes your fault. Another hook. I'm doing this because I care about you. That's a, a, a lie that abusers will, um, will often use. Uh, it's, uh, it's about really exploiting you really. Uh, another one is the ultimate emotional blackmail move, which is if you leave, I'll die. So if they have nothing else in their uh, bag of tricks, they threaten uh, death on themselves, right? And then, so of course, remember we talked last night about uh, the empath is the one who's likely to be with a narcissist. And of course, that, that sensitivity and that fear and all of that would be, would be part of that. And so they would stick around. Uh, Texter writes in, I had a relationship with a woman who claimed to be an empath while at the same time she said she was a witch, vampire, and BDSM dominant. Aren't the two contradictory? I don't think that they're contradictory. One is a role that one plays. So uh, a BDSM dominant, I'm not sure what a vampire is. Like I could, I know what a, an emotional vampire is somebody who sucks the life out of you. Uh, but, uh, uh, somebody who claims to be a vampire, mm, I don't know if that's delusional, like vampires aren't real as far as I know. Um, but in terms of, if we just take the BDSM dominant part of it, uh, that's a role that one plays. It isn't who necessarily that person is. So they can be very sensitive to other people's feelings and still uh, play the role of a, uh, of a dominant. Uh, does that mean basically that a narcissist should never be allowed to have a relationship? Well, who's going to prevent? What do you mean never be allowed? There's no law against who can have a relationship with whom. Uh, but sometimes a narcissist may work best with another narcissist, although it'll be a, a tumultuous relationship. Nonetheless, it may be uh, less abusive. I'm not sure. 
is a male partner who gives a lot of gifts instead of being affectionate. Um, I felt that he did that more so that he would feel good. Is that narcissism? No, I wouldn't say that's narcissism unless you see all the other signs that we uh, talked about. For some people, their language of love is to give, is to, is to give gifts. Yes, it feels good to give gifts. It feels good to volunteer. It feels good to, to do things for others. It doesn't necessarily make it a narcissistic thing or a, a selfish act. You can still do for others, even if it feels good for you, but maybe this was his way of expressing his affection. I wouldn't necessarily call that, um, narcissistic unless there were other things that you recognize in uh in any of the things that we we talked about yesterday if you missed the show yesterday you can pick it up on as a podcast if you go to my website drlaurie.com and go to the uh passion radio um tab you can find all the shows there and it's it's clearly uh listed and yesterday was all about partners of narcissists so if you missed it uh why don't you uh why don't you check it out From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. And Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear. Claude Rains was the invisible When I think of Halloween, I think of the Rocky Horror Show. From my youth, this was as long as I can remember as a teenager going to midnight showings of the Rocky Horror Show and year after year we got more and more into it and throwing things into the audience, the rice and the and a lot of young people listening have no clue what I'm talking about, of course, but it's still to this day a an international phenomenon. It's a cult classic and to me it was my first exposure to uh, diverse sexualities actually. Uh, so, of course, every year some troupe puts it on, thankfully, uh, it live as a musical. And this year, one of Montreal's brightest theater producers is taking on the task of putting on the Rocky Horror Show at the Mainline Theater. And that is Allie Brewer, who joins us right now. Hi, Allie. Hi, Dr. Lori. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And I'm so looking forward to tomorrow night. You have no idea. <laughs> looking forward to it too. Are we allowed to throw rice and toast? Um, not at this production. We do have a lot of things going on and we don't want you to hit someone in the eye. No, of course not. Uh, I'm very excited. I've seen your other, I've seen your Bonnie and Clyde, which was phenomenal uh, that you did. I know you're doing Chicago in April of 2020 and now you've taken on this task. Now this, this production is a, is huge. There's a huge cast. Is there not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the sixth year that Mainline has put up this production, and I've joined this year as the producer, and there is just a ton of people here. I mean, we got a, a huge cast. We have a live band, lots of crew, so it's really, really fun. Wonderful. Can you explain why or how, what you think made this uh, this the Rocky Horror Show such a, a, a cult classic? And, and it's for so many years, like, I think it's been running – I think the movie came out in, like, 75, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, around there. Um, yeah, 1975, exactly. 
Um, you know, what's great about Rocky, and you said that maybe some young people don't know what you're talking about, but we have people come here with their parents, we have people come here with their grandparents, and it really just transcends kind of this age gap, because it was the first movie that was like, you know, be be whoever you are, be with whoever you are, it's okay to be strange, it's okay to be curious, it's okay to want to discover the different areas of yourself, and it was the first time a lot of people saw people on screen that looked a little bit different. You know, you have Curry, yeah. who was man, but he was dressed in women's clothing, and he portrayed himself as a, as a transvestite, and it was really the first time that a lot of themes were portrayed on such a big scale, and it shocked a lot of audiences, yes. and I think it's the reason why we still have it today. I think you said it uh, very well. It, it really did show, and it never gets old because it's still relevant today. Exactly. It's, it's a fun show it's come be who you are be who with with you want to be enjoy the music enjoy the story and just have fun (laughs) well i am looking forward to it are are tickets still available because i know you're sold out for tomorrow night we are sold out for tomorrow we are sold out for halloween and november 2nd which is closing so tickets are left for wednesday october 30th and friday november 1st but there aren't many left so I, I would recommend heading over to mainline.ca, I mainlinetheater.ca to get yours. All right. So mainlinetheater.ca, if you want to see this wonderful production, uh, you, uh, wow, it's amazing how fast it has sold out, actually. <laughs> Between the time I initially spoke to you and today, it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. People love Rocky. <laughs> tell me, oh, just tell me a little bit about the actress who uh, portrays uh, Riff Raff. Yeah, well, we have Megan Vera Starling. She's portraying Riff Raff. It's her second year portraying Riff Raff, third year in the show. And she was nominated for a Meta Award, which is the Montreal English Theatre Awards, for her portrayal of Riff Raff last year. And what's great about the character is, I mean, Riff Raff's an alien, so there's no dictating what Riff Raff can be. Right. And the way that she portrays it is just outstanding. And it allows you to decide, you know, who is Riff Raff to you, the same we have uh, Steph McKenna, who's incredibly talented, portraying Frank. And mm. you don't often see a female portraying Frank, portraying a male as a transvestite. Oh, wow. So, okay, that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really, really great. These two females embody these characters that just allow you to make your own decisions when you come here. And then you can push the boundaries even a little bit more. And, and you don't have to stick to the movie script uh, so much. You can really play with it. Exactly. And they're they're both phenomenal. Amazing. Allie, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to seeing the show tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Take tomorrow. care. Bye-bye. Bye. That is Allie Broomer, the producer of Richard O'Brien's The Rocky Horror Show, playing at the Mainline Theater all through uh, November 2nd, but there's only a couple of nights with some tickets still available. So if you want to join in, uh, mainlinetheater.ca to get, uh, to get your tickets. I can't wait. I haven't been to a Rocky Horror Show in a while, in quite a while. Uh, and I was so surprised. I was talking to well, like one of my kids. Is like, oh, I've never seen one of them. I've never seen that. And I know a lot of young people have never seen it. I urge you, go. You will see the relevance to today, even though this is something that is, what, like uh, 40 years old already. 40 years ago, it, the movie came out. And it became uh, this this classic, this cult classic with all kinds of... It was it was a, a really a phenomenon because you you the audience always participated even in a movie theater so uh, very um, love it love it love it.
All right. I want to talk to you a couple of stories I want to share with you. First of all, uh, there's this, um, this accounting firm, a big accounting firm, Ernst and Young, which I'm sure you have heard, um, has apologized amid reports it put female execs through a sexist training session in which they were discouraged from flaunting their bodies so male colleagues could focus and were told to follow traditionally feminine characteristics in the workplace. You can imagine some people were up in arms. And of course, Huffington Post got a hold of this this uh, manual that they were given at this I guess this conference, this, uh, this training session, the training session was titled, uh, power presence and purpose. This was in, uh, in New Jersey. So they got their hands on it and women were encouraged to be polished, have a good haircut, manicured nails, well-cut attire that complements your body type. And were told not to flaunt their bodies as sexuality scrambles the mind. These are the words that were in this, uh, in this document. Uh, the women were also given a list of unwritten rules that urged them to speak briefly because they quote, often ramble and miss the point during work discussions. Like this would, this, I would have, I don't know what I would have done if I'd seen that. Uh, whoa. Uh, the training was not focused on sexual assault and harassment, even though, uh, they had just settled some sexual assault lawsuit with, with, um, a, a former, uh, partner. Like it would have been a perfect opportunity rather than go, uh, the other way. But anyhow, they were confronted, uh, with this and, uh, the program is no longer offered in its current form. They, uh, they put out a statement, Ernst and Young put out a statement saying this voluntary program, which was delivered to a small group of Ernst and Young professionals does not reflect EY's values or culture and should not have been offered to any of our women to ensure this can never happen again. We are undertaking a comprehensive review of our processes and controls around program content, as there is no question that elements of the program included offensive content that is inconsistent with with our core beliefs. The women of EY thrive because of the strength of their character, the authenticity they display and their capabilities. We value and celebrate the differences of our people and do not advocate conformity among our people. We are incredibly proud of our women and our longstanding commitment to diversity, inclusion, and creating a culture of belonging for all. That's wonderful. Very well said. But then why offer that type of course? I don't get it. Somebody made a really, really bad decision along the way. So weeks and weeks ago, I talked to you about this trans woman who had filed complaints against several estheticians who refused to provide uh, a Brazilian, you know, it's, it's like taking off all the, uh, the pubic hair basically. Uh, so, uh, well, the, the five, she was complete, was completely thrown out of court by the way. And not only that, she was then asked to pay $2,000 to each of the three people for improper conduct. There were all kinds of holes in her testimony. Uh, the judge found her disingenuous and self-serving, evasive, argumentative, and totally contradicted herself 
uh, and that she basically faked a lot of this, a lot of this stuff to make uh, these women uncomfortable or make them uh, uh, awkward for her own amusement. This is what he said, or as a form of um, revenge. And so they just threw the whole thing out, which is, of course, what should have happened to begin with. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. It's time to play Dirty Minds. I'm going to give you three clues. Yeah, they sound a bit dirty, but they're not. Um, first caller through at 514-790-0800 with the right answer will win a one-month unlimited pass to use at 360 Punch, a new uh, boutique gym on the West Island. Here goes. I'm a spasmodic contraction. You feel me deep in your throat. I can sometimes make you quiver for hours. What am I? 514-790-0800. All right. Ever wonder about on and off relationships? Have you ever been in one where you break up, you get back together, you break up again, you get back together again? Why are they so common? Well, there's a little bit of research on this. It's not much, but there is a little bit. And it, uh, ta- it the research kind of points to who are the ki- who's at risk for these kinds of relationships. Apparently, they're quite, uh, they're fairly frequent. So uh, about a third, about a third of all relationships, whether they're heterosexual, gay, lesbians, have at some point broken up and renewed their relationship. Are you in that statistic? And why? Why do we repeatedly return to the same relationship when clearly it's not working because we end up breaking up? So something is not working. So what pulls you back in? So there's a body of research that looks at why Uh, people like trying to figure out why people renew these relationships after they break up. And here's a rundown of some of the research. So apparently it's not because of the relationship uh, quality. Relationships with a breakup history are not of higher quality than uh, non, uh, let's say, cyclical uh, relationships. So um, it's not about that. Uh, Consistent evidence, evidence shows that relationships with a cycling history are actually of lower quality, uh, lingering feelings restart relationships. So even if the intimacy, passion, and love while dating isn't as strong as non-cyclical relationships, what happens when a couple breaks up could be the reason they stay together. After a breakup, feelings of love, nostalgia, and concern for a former partner can continue and these lingering feelings are enough to try and renew the relationship without really focusing on why they broke up in the first place right i often say love is not enough love is not enough Uh, cyclical relationships are not more uh, fulfilling so that would kind of make sense uh, attachment anxiety is not a risk factor. There was a, a study that uh, looked at this that showed no evidence that people were more or less likely to be in an on-again, off-again relationship as a function of their attachment style. So if they were anxious about, about attachment and commitment and all of that. 
what uh, research has found is that loneliness is a uh, motivator for some people. It's the desire to not be alone. So they return to a former partner, but guess what? They end up leaving again. Uh, Some evidence suggests that people in cyclical relationships place a higher value on the passion and the sexual component of their relationship than people in non-cyclical relationships. So it's the sex that gets you going back to uh, that person, um, which is uh, interesting. Uh, believing in soulmates is, is not a factor. Some people approach relationships as a search for the one and others believe that relationships develop with work. So contrary to expectations, a study showed no difference in destiny or growth beliefs between people involved in cyclical versus relationships with no, uh, breakup history. So it doesn't have that. That is not what it is. So think about it. Uh, loneliness, one of the big factors, and placing a bigger importance on sexuality than on other um, other factors. Some more research I want to share with you. Uh, let's just see if we. Uh, I, I got one texter who got the the answer right. Oh, Susan is our winner. All right, Susan, congratulations. Here are the the clues again and the answer. I'm a spasmodic contraction. You feel me deep in your throat. I can sometimes make you quiver for hours. The answer is a hiccup. Uh, thank you. And and one texter wrote, is the answer an orgasm? I told you the answer is not dirty. The, the clues are dirty, but the answer never is. Never, never is. Uh, thank you, Susan. Hope to see you at three uh, three sixty punch. It's a great, wonderful workout place. Uh, g- feels like family there, and uh, you'll have a great time if you uh, decide to use that, or you can always gift it to someone else. Uh, reasons why women fake orgasms. A new study explores how beliefs about gender are associated with faking orgasms. This is a a, pub, a a study recently published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior on the reasons why women fake orgasms. So there's three main reasons why women fake orgasms. I'm sure you'll relate to some of them probably. Uh, one of them is faking to keep a partner. So evolutionary psychology explains the phenomenon of faking orgasm as a mate retention strategy, uh, whereby orgasms are valued by men. And so women in heterosexual relationships will fake their orgasms to satisfy their partner. And when they're doing this, women are hoping to retain their partner. And there was support found on that. The women who thought their partners were more likely to cheat on them were more likely to have faked an orgasm with their partner. And they fake their orgasms more frequently. That's what the study found. A second reason is faking to sexually satisfy a partner. So in this study, researchers looked at how specific beliefs about gender and sex might be associated with faking an orgasm. They found that if a woman thinks that, in general, men need their partner to orgasm to be sexually satisfied, she is more likely to fake her orgasm. Um... So, which is very interesting. And the third reason is faking for lack of a reason not to. 
maybe a little bit surprising. Uh, it seems that women who have hostile beliefs about their gender, that is, they reject feminism, fake their orgasms more frequently. On the other hand, women who held more traditional beliefs about women, that is, they, um, they reject feminism but also think women should be revered, fake their orgasms less uh, frequently. So if, woman, if women reject feminism, they don't have as many reasons not to fake orgasms, so they go ahead and fake. If women think that they should be revered, angelic, and pure, then faking an orgasm doesn't make much sense because an orgasm involves making funny faces and making funny sounds. This is what they concluded in this study. So very, uh, very interesting. Coming up, stress during pregnancy makes you more likely to have a gender, uh, a baby of this gender. I think you'll find this quite interesting. This is Passion on CJAD 800. Friday night here on Passion, which means a little bit of this and a little bit of that to uh, share with you some stories and some new research has come out regarding sexuality. So I found this really, really interesting. Um, when you're having a baby, when you're pregnant and you're, you know, wondering, am I going to have a boy? Am I going to have a girl? Anyway, apparently uh, studies have shown that the amount of stress you experience during pregnancy can be a good indicator on what the sex of your baby will be. This was a study conducted at Columbia University and it was discovered that women who experience more stress during pregnancy are more likely to have a girl. Now apparently there are a variety of biological reasons that allow female fetuses to survive in a stressful womb environment more so than male fetuses. Um, so it doesn't, so we're not talking about the regular pressures of everyday life, like that kind of every, you know, kind of stress. Uh, they're talking here about women who have an above normal amount of anxiety and or stress during their pregnancy. Uh, they say despite about half of the babies who are born each day being boys, only one-third of pregnant women who had high stress levels during pregnancy ended up having a boy. Some of the signs of high stress levels during pregnancy are comfort eating and high blood pressure. The reasoning behind this is that male fetuses are not as robust as female fetuses. And this is where you get women, females are the stronger sex, <laughs> right here in utero. Uh, boys are also more vulnerable to stress hormones while inside the womb, making it easier for women to miscarry without even knowing they were pregnant to begin with. The doctor in charge of the research says that other researchers have seen this pattern after social upheavals such as the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York City, after which the relative number of male births decreased. This stress in women is likely of long-standing nature. During their study, they found that one in six women said that they were psychologically stressed they reported signs like having negative thoughts throughout the day, experiencing mild to moderate anxiety and or depression, and feeling overwhelmed. 
Also, physical stress. The amount of women who reported feeling physical stress was not too far off from the number who reported feelings of psychological stress. And these women showed signs like having high blood pressure and regularly eating for comfort, causing them to consume more calories. In the group of women who showed signs of psychological stress, only 40% gave birth to a boy. In the group of women who showed signs of physical stress, only about 31% gave birth to a boy. And these results back their beliefs that male fetuses do not do as well in stressful womb environments as female ones do. And part of the reason that male fetuses do not do as well inside a stressful womb environment is because they are slower to mature than female fetuses which is interesting because that doesn't seem to change even once they're out of the womb, uh, leaving them with a larger window of vulnerability. Female fetuses are tougher than male ones, making them more likely to survive inside uh, the womb. But interestingly, they also discovered that when a woman has more support from her family and friends, her odds of having a son rather than a daughter increased. Women who were more stressed than usual reported that they did not have as much of a support system as healthier women uh, did. So remember that uh, the effects of stress uh, that there is can have an impact even on the gender of the baby you have. Very fascinating. In um, weird news, because there's always one weird story in the bunch, a female swinger had a heart attack at Europe's largest sex festival after pushing herself too hard during group activities. You're talking about orgies here. The 52-year-old swinger is said to have suffered a medical episode during the secretive Swingfields Festival in Malvern, Worcestershire on uh, last, I, I think it was last Friday or it might have been, yeah, last Friday uh, or this Friday, I'm not sure. An air ambulance rushed the uh, person to hospital where she underwent emergency treatment and stayed as an inpatient for at least two days. She is believed to have suffered this heart attack after participating in group activities at the festival, which hosted a raunchy tug of war and uh, jelly wrestling. There were about 700 swingers who were present at this festival. Of course, they all went on with the uh, sex play after that. Uh, let's see, do I have, uh, oh, <laughs> one other crazy story I want to share with you. This one. Here's the headline Mother sues her son's five BDSM partners after he dies from silicone injections to his genitals. Yes, this is apparently a thing. This guy died of complications because he uh, basically injected himself with, uh, with silicone. Uh, I'm not sure what the point of that is, but anyway. His mother and brother are suing his five partners, so he was in a polyamorous situation, for wrongful death, negligence, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and civil conspiracy related to his uh, death. So apparently, the, the he has a partner, a main partner. Um, he had a master, basically, and a pup 
kink relationship, which we've talked about on our kink show, uh, and he blogged frequently about the relationship. The guy's mother, who died, is alleging that his relationship with Dylan, his boyfriend, was an abusive one and accuses him and their other partners of endangering uh, her son by encouraging him to get silicone genital um, injections. So uh, I'm not even sure. I don't know. I have no idea if this is going to uh, going to go anywhere, but he is part of the BDSM uh, community. He decided to give himself those injections. This was his fetish. This is what his partner's saying. I did not make him inject sil- silicone. On the contrary, I helped him get some removed. Well, apparently this is something that's done, body modification through steroids or injection. Maybe not so uh, uncommon. I'll have to ask uh, the kink com- our kink panel about this, but sounds a little uh, dangerous. But anyway, his family suing for that. Yeah, it's a bit nutty. A bit. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with me tonight. I want to thank uh, Aaron Lakoff, our uh, producer, our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. Thank you. Uh, you can uh, find me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. You can go to my website, drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, where you can find all the past uh, podcasts of the show. So any shows that you missed, they're all listed there. You can listen to them at your leisure. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion. Come on, just have